Hello and welcome to this edition of Conversations. I'm Noah Epstein. And I'm Alessandra Varan. How are you doing, Alessandra? I'm good. How are you, Noah? I'm doing really well. Unfortunately, we weren't able to go outside and see the beautiful weather today because we're, we're stuck inside on Zoom, obviously. But uh, it's really nice because we're joined by the editor-in-chief of the 2020-2021 school year, Brendan O'Sullivan. So how are you doing, Brendan? I'm doing great. How are, how are you guys? We're good. We're happy. We're solid. So... Brendan, uh, first, just just reflect on your time with uh, with the Chronicle throughout the years. Oh man! All right, so it started like a month or so into my freshman year. I'd say I joined just because I I knew I wanted to get into written journalism, print maybe not necessarily print in terms of newspaper, but I always wanted to do the written aspects of it. So I joined the Chronicle, and I met a ton of people in there, and it's really what's kept me going, and it kept me it allowed me to stay and I got positions that allowed me to grow. I got associate sports editor after my first semester, got sports editor for my sophomore year. And obviously, as you guys said, I got editor in chief for this past school year. So I've had opportunities to grow and opportunities to do a lot of stuff with the organization. And it's just given me really, really good time to meet people and have fun too. That's awesome. When you came in to the Chronicle freshman year, did you ever see editor-in-chief as a possibility for you? No, not at all. I didn't even see it like until, I guess, like a couple months into my sophomore year. And at that point, I didn't even think it was a realistic thing. I just started thinking about it. But in terms of freshman year, no. Um, I knew I wanted to do sports. Um, that was my that was my goal. I've always been interested in sports and sports writing ever since I was 16. So, I mean, it was a goal of mine to be the sports editor. I did not have aspirations at that time to be editor-in-chief. And I guess some of that is chalked up to me and just not having the confidence in myself to do such. And ex- that's especially when you see such talented people like ahead of you. You see these older people and you're like, wow, these guys are really good at what they do. And I came in and Christina Popic was the editor-in-chief at that point. And then Brian Murphy was editor-in-chief the next time around. And I was like, I don't know if I have the talent that these people have, but I'm glad I went for it. I, I ended up getting the confidence, I guess you'd say, to, to go out for it sometime in my sophomore year. So how was the transition from being a sports editor to being EIC? I think it was more difficult because of COVID than anything, because that was really where I had the most trouble. I obviously we got our semester cut short my sophomore year, went home. I never got the like official training, like to be in the suite, to go through, walk through everything that an EIC has to do on a deadline day. I never got the typical week that in person. I had those training sessions over Zoom with Brian. And I never got to really practice with him by my side in the media suite, which definitely hurt me. In terms of going from sports editor to editor-in-chief, it wasn't too bad because I asserted myself a lot as sports editor to make sure I edit and make sure I, I would look at music reviews or movie reviews or news pieces, like different opinions, anything and everything I would look at. And it didn't matter whether I was really knowledgeable on the subject or not, I wanted to edit it and get more comfortable in that sense. And that made it a lot more, a lot easier to kind of go through the process of becoming EIC from sports editor. So kind of going along on that thread, was there anything in particular that you had to do as a sports oriented journalist to make sure that the paper was still 
balanced out with all of the different departments when you were EIC? Yeah, I I definitely took a step away from sports and it was important for me to do that. Obviously coming in, like having that sports background, you'd love to just do sports all the time. Like that's that's really what I love to do. As an editor in chief, like that's not the job. As much as I wanna like write about sports and when I graduate and do all that, the job I had at hand was to make sure I balance everything. That was to make sure I take a step away from sports and take a more managerial role. And that means I have to my I have to divide my attention amongst every section of the paper. I have to make sure every section, every person is treated the same, no matter what section they're a part of. Because if I start showing more interest in sports, or if I start showing more interest in news or opinion or arts and life and podcast or whatever it may be, it starts to reflect poorly on other sections. And it just wouldn't, it wouldn't feel good for the other editors or producers on the, on staff. It would make them feel like not as wanted because the editor in chief is clearly showing bias towards a section. I just didn't want to do that. So, so before you, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times now, Brian Murphy, former editor in chief before yourself. So what do you think is the main thing you learned from him that you use in the past year? Just really take the risk on yourself, I guess. Bet on yourself. Know you're going to put yourself out there type thing. He was in a position that he wasn't going for editor-in-chief, and his story is different than mine, but because he ultimately grabbed editor-in-chief because nobody else wanted it, and that was after a while of people just saying, like, I don't know if I want this, I don't know if I want this. And eventually, after he said he didn't want it, he eventually said, I'm going to go for it. And even though I didn't have that position, I had that kind of mindset too in the like sophomore year, early sophomore year. I wasn't really sure if I wanted it. And even when I applied, like I wasn't sure if I necessarily wanted it. I just knew I wanted to go for it because I knew I'd regret not doing it. What I learned from him is that you just got to go for something, like get the best experience you can and, and put yourself out there. If I didn't do any of that, like I wouldn't have had the experience. I wouldn't have had the relationships that I have and met the people that I have. It would have been a... A pretty big mistake if I didn't like put myself out there and make myself want to do stuff that I necessarily like I I didn't necessarily want to do at first, but I took a risk and I, I think it paid off. So I'm going to bring it back to you're talking about like things that you learned from the previous editor in chief. What would you say was the most important thing that you taught yourself over the last year? Just be confident. I think I alluded alluded to it a little bit before that I just wasn't super confident in myself. And I was still like, it, you're never going to change completely. If you're not a confident person, you're never going to become uber confident. And I don't want to say I'm not a confident person, but I also don't want to say I'm on the other end of it. But I did gain a lot of experience this year with that. And just like seeing myself in a leadership position gave me some confidence and seeing people ask me questions and um, like people will compliment me. And it's surprising to me because I, I didn't think of myself as like an editor in chief. I still thought of myself as just another student, but some people would see me as an editor in chief and would compliment me on my work. And I've gotten, an e I just got an email from a professor saying that it's one of the better years for Chronicle in a while. And that type of stuff to hear is just it boosts my confidence and knows that I did do good work. What are you most proud of? Just publishing a paper every single week. 
I guess there's a couple other things I'm proud of, but I think that's what I'm most proud of, really. I A couple weeks where we didn't publish a paper, and that was the end of the first semester when we got sent home. And obviously, we're not going to publish a paper when nobody's on campus. But there are weeks where we had to be remote. There was remote learning in the first couple weeks of school, and we were still publishing papers. We had remote deadline day. We figured out ways to continue work no matter the circumstances at hand. And even when we did go home, we were still publishing content consistently through winter break. We were publishing content. We were publishing content consistently through summer break as well. This is something that I feel is something that we were really strong in and it was something that I'm proud of. I'm also proud of the stuff that we implemented this year. Obviously I'm on the podcast, so um well shout out to you guys. Shout out to the weekly report and like it's I don't want to take credit for starting the podcast because that wasn't me. This is not me who started the podcast. It was during my tenure and I'm happy that um it was part of my tenure as editor in chief. It was I was happy to start the newsletter during my tenure. I guess like yeah, between those things, between mainly just always producing articles, always publishing stuff and getting a paper issue out pretty much every week other than the few weeks that we weren't in school and then the additions of the podcast and newsletter were just incredible moments in my opinion for so in your time as a journalist for the chronicle what would you say was your favorite article that you wrote or the one that you're the most proud of oh man um I would say my favorite article was the one where I interviewed a former Quinnipiac athlete. She played field hockey here. Now she's playing overseas at Belgium. I had interviewed her a couple times last year, so we had a decent relationship and we knew who each other were. So when I reached out to her, it was very easy to get in contact with her and talk to her about what she's doing now. So I caught up with her. I talked to her about her career right now playing professional field hockey. And then I talked to the field hockey coach at Quinnipiac, and then I talked to her field hockey coach over in Belgium. So it was an awesome, awesome stuff to do. It was, um, it's always a feel good piece to write about a former athlete. It always, it's nice to catch up with them and see what they're doing because it's not always, sometimes you see it on social media, sometimes you don't, but I loved looking into this and I loved writing about it. And it was super easy to talk to everybody and get in contact with everybody. And I think I was pretty happy that I was able to coordinate all the interviews despite people being in completely different time zones and figuring that out for all our schedules. That's really cool. What was like the hardest story you ever worked on? I wouldn't say the most, like, I guess not the hardest in terms of difficulty, but the hardest to write was definitely being in Atlantic City when the MAC tournament shut down in March of 2020. That was a pretty simple piece to write. I'll, like it was, it was a very short news piece, and I believe I wrote the one that spring sports were canceled. Um, Rich Enzer, the commissioner of the MAC, canceled spring sports. I believe I wrote that one and Jared Panna wrote the one on the MAC tournament getting canceled. So we split articles for that. And that situation is probably the most difficult to be in just because it was, it was a fast paced environment. Everybody 
from all different Mac schools were reporting on this at the same time. We had to write something in a auditorium um, on a stage. We didn't have chairs or anything in that situation. I remember standing on top of the standing on the floor and reaching up to my computer typing and it was a weird situation i think it was i would say it's the most difficult because it was just a really unfortunate situation it was a scary situation too we were all so far from home and we were together in a gym and nobody knew what was going on in the country there was very few people that were actually certain of what was going to happen what are you going to miss the most? The people. Uh, like, I hope I, I hope I don't miss the people, if that makes any sense. Like, I hope I stay close with the people so much so that I'm not like, wow, I really miss the people of the Chronicle. I would hope that I could still see everybody. I would, or interact with people at least every so often, where I don't have to feel that separated from this club now. It, it's... If I had to say something, it would definitely be the people. Like I said, a second family to me and everybody that's been involved with it, whether it's been this year, two years, three years, they've been involved longer than I have. Like everybody here has made such an like such a big impact on my life, a career wise or just a personal standpoint. I've had a really big impact joining this club and through the people that are in it. If you were to be able to, let's say, look into the future for like five years from now, what would you want to see the Chronicle doing? Is there anything you really hope happens with the organization? I just hope it's growing more. I hope that everything I've done this year is just doubled, tripled, quadrupled by the time I'm like five, six, seven years out. I want this to just be a starting point in terms of what the Chronicle can be. Like Brian Murphy put in a block christina put in a block dave freelander put in a block before her like everybody's building this up and i really think that five years six seven eight whatever it is 20 years down the line i want to see so many more blocks and making this organization so much stronger than it is just right now and whatever ventures they go down if they add more photography or more video or they do uh whatever they happen to do if they go back to 16 pages of the paper, which I don't know if you guys were here when it was 16 pages, but it's 12, like if they go back to that, if they cut it down, if they make it even longer than 16, ultimately I just want to see success and I want to see upward trend for this organization like it has been in recent years. Um, so is, is there anything over the course of your three years here that you wanted to do that you didn't get a chance to do? Um, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, and maybe my answer will change in 30 minutes. Maybe it'll change in 30 seconds. And maybe it'll never change. But I'm, I'm really happy with everything I've done. And like I said before, I took risks on myself and I put myself out there, which is something I normally don't do. And that's something I'm proud of. And I think if I didn't do that, I would have a different answer right here. I, if I didn't do that, I'd also not be sitting here. So, Brendan, what are your plans for uh, for after you graduate? What are your, what are your post-college plans? I mean, next year I'm coming back for my master's. So I'm in the 3 plus 1 program. So I will be getting my master's in sports journalism 
graduating spring 2022 other than that it's all up in the air like i i would really love to continue writing somewhere whether it's a local newspaper here a local newspaper at home it could be a news organization whatever it is i i want to continue writing i don't have plans for what i call graduation graduation which is next spring where i'm officially out into the real world that's still i i have a ways away for that and i still have a little bit of time to at least think about what I want to do then. That's awesome. You know, one step at a time as long as you're doing what makes you happy. So thank you everyone for listening to the last conversations of the year. Special thanks to myself, Brendan O'S. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the last conversations of the year. Special thanks to Noah, Alessandra, Kayleen, and Xavier. And we'll catch you guys next year.